The following is a presentation of the Belly Up Sports Media Network. Let me just say, after view distorting the belt, they're proclaiming the real world champion. I'm going to tell you all with a tear in my eye. This is the greatest moment in my life. When you walk around this world and you tell everybody you're number one, the only way you get to stay number one is to be number one. Hey, good morning, everybody, and welcome to the Captain Lou Extravaganza. We are live here on the Captain Lou Sports Network on YouTube. And, of course, we are powered up by Belly Up Sports. And uh, we invite you to check out our website, bellyupsports.com, for our complete list of podcasts and also the latest in uh, what's going on in the world of sports with our beat writers, uh, the guys and gals doing a wonderful job. And, of course, check us out at Belly Up Sports. And, again, uh, you can watch us live. And also archived on our YouTube channel, which is the Captain Lou Sports Network. And uh, we got a great show planned for you here this morning. Uh, we got a lot to talk about. The Stanley Cup playoffs are down to the final four. And uh, we got some great matchups. Maybe a couple that we weren't expecting, or one at least, that we may not have been expecting. But nonetheless, it's going to be a great final four. And uh, Rod Peterson from the Rod Peterson Show is going to join us here shortly to talk about that. Game one of the NBA playoffs in the Western Conference Finals were uh, are in the books. The Lakers tried to make a comeback, but the Nuggets held off. A, just a fantastic game to watch. We'll talk about that a little bit later on as well. So again, uh, we've got the Stanley Cup playoffs to talk about what's going on in the world of uh, the National Hockey League. And without any further ado, let's bring in our first guest from the Rod Peterson Show. They just celebrated their thousandth show, by the way. Fantastic. Uh, a lot of fun to watch. I invite you to watch them. Of course, that's uh, Rod Peterson, host of the Rod Peterson Show. You can see them on the Game Plus TV network, their YouTube channel, and uh, so much more. Rod, thanks for joining us this morning. How are you? Hey, Lou. It's good. It's been far too long, buddy. How are things with you? Oh, everything's great. You know, it's a beautiful morning. Uh, the sun's shining. Can't beat that. And, of course, we got the semifinals and the Stanley Cup playoffs down to the final four. Rod, uh, game seven the other night with uh, Dallas and uh, and the Kraken, they decided the final spot. Kind of a game that really wasn't like the other ones. The other ones was like yeah. the first one to five, you know, and this one turned out to be a kind of a low-scoring slugfest, if you will, but a heck of a goal by Dallas in the third period that, that turned out to be the difference. Yeah, that was the goal by Wyatt Johnson. Um, it's been a just a great year of NHL hockey, Lou. You follow it, all kinds of records following, all kinds of new stars. And you see what Joe Pavelski did in that series. I think it was eight goals Pavelski scored. And that was the most ever by any star in the history of one round. And, of course, in Dallas, they tend to forget they were in Minnesota for a long time before that. So that there was that. And then Wyatt Johnston with what you said was the game winner. And the other night, it was, it was – <clears throat> I came home from a movie, the movie Blackberry. And I only watched the third period, and it was all I needed to watch, uh, really, because that's when they went up 2-0, and Wyatt Johnson scored that great goal. He went off the goalie's head into the top of the net, Grubauer's uh, head. 
That made it 2 nothing, and then Seattle scored late in like the last minute with their goalie pull to make it a 2-1 game. But why Johnston is the youngest player in NHL history to score a Game 7 series-clinching goal. So it just follows just a wonderful season of NHL hockey of unpredictable things. I mean, that's what we want. We don't want mundane. We don't want boring in the NHL season. And these playoffs have been anything but that. You know, you mentioned that. That's a great point. Leads into the other series that decided uh, this final, uh, the Western Conference final, Vegas and Edmonton. You know, I, maybe I'm just heart, heart, I don't know, looking for something like the past. A rivalry, yeah. I think. It's starting to build. Vegas and Edmonton. You know, you know what had transpired. Petrangelo getting the game with uh, suspension. No mm -hmm. love lost between those two. There was a lot of intrigue in that series. And I think this is starting to build. Maybe not yet to the Detroit, Colorado uh, level of the ninety or the eight, the nineties, but what a great series that was! And uh, I honestly think maybe Rod, I don't know about you, but the turning point may have been that suspension to Petrangelo, and uh, it really yeah. gave an extra rivalry or a, a rally cry. It looked like that might have been the case, but I mean, you talk about the Detroit, Colorado. I just think those days are never coming back. I wish they would, but it's just yeah. a different NHL now. But when I saw Petrangelo <laughs> with a slash on dry settle, I was like, whoa. Yeah. Like in the 80s and 90s, we called that Tuesday. Not a big deal. Now, I thought they might put him in jail for uh, a couple of years. Uh, so for it to only be one game suspension, I, I kind of wonder – it's a topic for another day, but if the NHL's right, right. kind of lost their way in terms of not knowing what they are, it's like, do we want to be? And I, with woke, that's a you know that it is what it is. But it's like, do we want to be the goon show that we were, or do we want to be all about skill now and skills competition? And this is is this Trevor Zegers's league now and Mo Sider and these guys? Like, what are we? Yeah, because in the playoffs, what Petrangelo did that was a throwback. I don't have a problem with it, but I thought we were cracking down on this. So, yeah, there was some heated things said back and forth, more so from the Edmonton media. Vegas really didn't have anything to complain about, and uh, Vegas moves on. So <clears throat> it's interesting you mentioned the Final Four about which series was expected or what wasn't. Um, Dallas, Vegas, if you really sat back and thought about it, that shouldn't be a surprise. That happened no. a couple of years ago in 2021. Or was it 2020? Either way, this isn't entirely new for Dallas and Vegas. It's very new for Florida. And Carolina hasn't historically gotten this far. So these are these are some pretty good Final Four matchups. Now, real quick, again, on the Western Conference side, you know, you I think the big thing for Vegas is uh they gotta they, they gotta stay out of the penalty box. As simple as that sounds, Rod. I think that uh five on five, I think they may be a little bit better than Dallas. Uh, the goaltending, I think, may have an edge towards uh, Dallas, but I just like—I I honestly think uh, Vegas is a little more. The depth is a little better for Vegas than Dallas. I don't know what your feeling is going into that opening game. Well, you make it this far; it's two really good teams. Yeah, and um, up until I moved to Florida a couple years ago, Vegas was my team, so I'm pretty familiar with what they got going on and. Going into the playoffs, nobody really even knew who Vegas's goalie was going to be. Was it going to be Laurent Brassois? Was it going to be Aiden Hill? Was it going to be Jonathan Quick? Like, why did you acquire him at the trade deadline if you weren't going to play him? But they haven't. 
right? So the Vegas's crease has been a rotating <coughs> carousel, which historically isn't what you'd want. But you mentioned the history. Jake Ottinger the other night, however many saves he made, he now put himself into number two all-time NHL history for saves made in Game 7 wins behind Kelly Rudy. Now, you and I are around the same age, so we appreciate those old names. Yes, we do. Right? So, again, guys are making history all over the National Hockey League. And as you said, we're going to get to the East. But I think Vegas and Dallas are both really good teams. Ottinger has just continued to make a name for himself. If, if it does come down to goaltending, and it, when the chips are down, it usually does. I mean, I, I just can't wait to get to the Florida talk because that's why Sergey Bobrovsky is the reason why the Panthers are where they are. I would have to give Dallas the edge. But I actually picked a Vegas-Florida Stanley Cup last season, not this season. So I'm just telling my friends that I'm just so far ahead of my time that I was, I was a year ahead on my prediction. Well, one of the names, too, before we go to the Eastern Conference Final, Rupe Hintz uh, kind of flown under the radar. Uh, it's not a name that I'm familiar with as much. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, he's played, he's played well. And uh, I think that uh, he's another one, kind of one of my unsung heroes for Dallas going into the uh, Western Conference Final. They got a few. Uh, I'm not that familiar with Rupe Hintz either. I mean, we don't get Dallas that much on television. And, you know, right. I spend almost half my time in Calgary. So I was talking to the Flames broadcasters. They've been raving about Hintz for a while. And I said, I don't travel on the team uh, with the team. I don't go to Dallas. So I don't know much about this Rupe Hintz. All I know is, he scores big goals. And a couple of years ago, I was forced as a sportscaster to learn how to say his name. How was saying this guy's name? Right? Root? What, what nationality? He, he really came out of nowhere. But yeah. to be honest, Dallas has a lot of no names, if you will. Like Jason right. Robertson's the next big thing. If you remember, he held out at training camp. He's had a pretty quiet playoff. But that's scary because that means he's ready to bust out at any time. And we have to remember, Lou, we're only halfway to the Stanley Cup. Yeah. We're down to Final Four, but there's two more series to win. Eight more wins for some team that's left, right? We're not – they're not there yet. So let's go over to the Eastern Conference Finals for a moment. We've got, uh, obviously, Carolina and Florida. Now, I picked an all-Canadian final, so I'm way off. Uh, Florida – you know, Bobrowski's getting hot. I mean, we know, always knew his potential. And he didn't even start, Rod, to begin the playoffs. And now he's taking the ball and run with it, if you will. Uh, interesting to watch his matchup because I love the balance. I love what Rod Brindamore is doing with Carolina. Uh, it, it, give me your opening thoughts on what you think of this finals matchup, West Eastern Conference final matchup. Well, I think the Vegas-Dallas one is a great story for them, but this Eastern story, there's a lot more. I mean, I'm sitting here in South Florida just this morning. All they've been talking about is the Panthers. And let's not forget, the wow. Heat are moving on to round right. three in the NBA playoffs. So if the Panthers are getting this much pub here, Paul Maurice, the first-year coach of the Panthers, used to coach Carolina. And because mm -hmm. of that, used to coach Rod Brindamore, their coach. <laughs> so the pundits here are giving Florida the edge in the mental aspect that Pomo, Paul Maurice knows um Brindy better. I don't know about that. You mentioned like I counted Florida out in December. I counted them out going into the playoffs and I counted them out after round one 
and all they've done is laugh and mm -hmm. stick it where the sun don't shine with everybody. They didn't make the playoffs until the final week of the regular season. They're, they've been playing, if you've been watching the games, like absolute, playing with house money, no pressure whatsoever. Not, not supposed to be this far. Whereas with Carolina, I think there's more pressure on them because they've been a good team for a long time. They're opening at home. You see the games in the PNC uh, Center, their arena there. It's, it's an absolute madhouse. Yeah. Um, it's, it's getting exciting from here on in. Uh, but Carolina's roster is a bit of a dog's breakfast, too. they got Freddie Anderson in goal, a goaltender who the Leafs put out to pasture a couple of years ago because he wasn't good enough for them. All he's done is lead Carolina to the Stanley Cup Eastern Conference Final. So there's just there's more there's more storylines in my mind um, in the Eastern Final than the Western Final. And I've picked, by the way, I don't know if you're going to ask me, but I've picked Carolina to win in okay. seven. And here's why: because I've been wrong on every prediction with the Panthers so far. <laughs> so I'm just hoping that they continue to prove me wrong. You know, I, I, I love the, the point you made about Florida playing on house money. Now, what really just irritates the holy hell out of me, Rod, is, you know, Boston, they beat Boston in seven. They say, what did Boston do wrong? They beat Toronto in five. What did Toronto do wrong? What are they always doing wrong? In my opinion, they it was won by Florida because they got in their heads. I never saw two as many talented teams play on their heels like Boston and Toronto did, especially on the blue line. And, you know, in game three, I was flummoxed by Toronto. And that to me was Maurice, you know, instilling in these guys, him and Kachuk, you know, they took it to him. And I don't think enough credit yet is still given to Florida. No, it isn't. And I was at that game three. I remember distinctly remember sitting in my seat, looking up at the score clock, at the 10 minute mark of the second period, I'm like, the Leafs only have seven shots. Mm. This vaunted Leafs team only has yeah. seven shots. <laughs> so, um, you know, I don't know, Lou, I think you know that I work in the mental health addiction recovery field and I'm very mm. big on, on mental yes. health and mental strength. And it's if people realize how much of it is right here, Boston probably psyched themselves up to a degree. And I don't like to repeat what I heard in the media, but I'll repeat what the voice of the Panthers, Steve Goldstein, said on the radio this morning here, Boston was the best regular season team in NHL history. Yeah. Okay? And the first couple of games, they ran the Panthers over. They ran them over. I'm watching this thing going, this series isn't going to be long. Right. But guess what? The Panthers stood up. They, they didn't back down. That was the big thing. It's called pushback. You know, Topic for another time, but that's been the big topic from the Winnipeg Jets coach, Rick Bonus, that they had no pushback against Vegas. Florida, they just wing, they went, they're like those old clown dummies that you punch when you were a kid. You punched it and it popped right back up. That's Florida, right? We're not going away. And then with Toronto, I think, I think the pressure got to Boston. I think the pressure got to Toronto because I saw those guys. I watched that game three from ice level and I'm like, Matthews, Marner, Tavares, they were just emotionless robots. And it's not that they didn't care. I just felt like they were, there was so much pressure on them to not make a mistake. And when that happens, you end up making more mistakes. And that's what happened with the Leafs. Florida's just, they're just having fun. And I noticed this way back before Christmas. The Panthers love each other. They love coming to the rink. They love their coach. It's very evident. You watch their games, they're smiling and laughing on the bench together. That's what you want. And that's what they have. 
you know, it kind of reminded me of the Rocky movie with Florida. You know, when Rocky takes that punch, I think it was from Clubber Lang in Rocky Three, or maybe even in Rocky Two. He's like, "You ain't so bad," you know. And they're like, "What are you doing?" And then he had that mindset, and just like, man, it's spot on about the Florida Panthers. We're joined by Rod Peterson, host of the Rod Peterson Show, here on uh, the Captain Lou Extravaganza on the Captain Lou Sports Network. We appreciate you taking time out this morning. All right, you know, you've said you've got Carolina in seven. What is your big key in that matchup in the Eastern Conference Final? Well, I don't get into analytics and stats. As a matter of fact, right. that annoys me um, because right. I think a lot of people do that. And those that people that rely on that kind of stuff just don't really understand the game. I mean, sure, uh, when you say they need to stay out of the box, Vegas, you're right. Discipline is going to be yeah. key. Um Vegas was the least penalized team in the NHL in the regular season, and here they are going to the Western Conference Final. So discipline will be big. Florida's never really had a problem with that. Um, the Hurricanes have uh, Tara Vining coming back for the first time in these Stanley Cup playoffs. So it's going to be who stays the healthiest. Okay. Um, there's no doubt about that. And, and, and literally, who wants it more? I just it, That's a good question. What are the keys? Um, I just think if Florida just keeps doing what they're doing, and Bob can be good Bob because I've seen bad Bob. <laughs> yes. Um, they only have about a month left to squeeze this out of good Bob. They've been paying him $10.5 million. That's what got him here from Columbus. And what the Panthers people are saying to me is, yeah, he's been average the last couple of years, but if he leads us to the Stanley Cup, he's worth the money. <laughs> and uh, they're right. So let's, the key will, I will, I will say goaltending and narrow it down to Florida's goalie, Sergey Bobrovsky. Can he stay on this run? It seems like he's going to. No, I didn't get your pick on the Western Conference Final. Uh, again, my thing with them is uh, obviously part of it's goaltending. Like I said, I think Ottinger may have the edge, but you know, I, I, Hill, I thought, played really well in the last couple yep. of games. So, you know, that's, it could change. You mentioned it. Eight more games left to win the Cup. Uh, give me your pick in the Western Conference Final. I have the Vegas Golden Knights winning the series in six games. Okay. Um, that's probably short. It probably will go seven, but I've told everybody Vegas in six, so I can't move off that. <laughs> but the more that I look at both teams, that is a dang even series. Yeah. <laughs> a very easy, even series, but yeah. I'll take Vegas in six. All right, that's kind of where I'm leaning. I picked Dallas to go to the Western Conference Final uh, against Edmonton, but obviously that's wrong. But so I guess I'll stick. I think Vegas has got just a little more firepower. Just and I think that could. Uh, I think that's going to win out in the end. Um, Rod, I want to ask you about a few other things that are going on in the National Hockey League. Uh, we've got uh, obviously what's going on up in Calgary. They're in flux. I know they've. Um, they're going to build a new stadium. The Saddle Dome is going to get. They're going to get improvements to that. I know it was a great facility, and it and for a lot of years. Uh, but the, the team itself is in a little bit of turmoil right now. Uh, what's the pulse up there in Calgary? Well, largely optimism, yeah. um, to be honest. It was a highly underachieving team or lowly underachieving team, depending how you look at it. My original pick going into the, into the season was a Calgary-Florida Stanley Cup. I knew the rosters very well on both sides, and Calgary didn't even make the playoffs. It led to the general manager being fired about 10 days after the season ended, and then two weeks after that, head coach Daryl Sutter being fired. 
And it had to do a lot with today's NHL player and culture. Um, they had, from what I'm told, year-end interviews with the players, and a lot of guys said I didn't enjoy coming to the rink because of Daryl Sutter. And uh, well, guess what? You're not going to fire 20 players, so you're going to no. you can only fire one coach, and that's what that's what happened there. Um, so I guess when I left Calgary, which was about 10 days ago, it was a sense of renewed optimism because we're getting a new arena, we're going to have a brand new general manager, we're going to have a brand new coach, and we've got a very talented team. It's a really good. Uh, situation for somebody to walk into, right? That's the yeah. feel. The only that sad thing is the general manager they fired, Brad Tree Living. It was just learned uh, earlier this week that the Flames aren't allowing him to speak to other teams until his contract officially expires June thirtieth. And I'm like, that Dad. that doesn't help the culture thing you guys were talking about. You fired Daryl because of bad culture. Who are you going to blame this on? Yeah. So that's what's going on there. I heard a name yesterday and I've been hearing it that is kind of starting to lurk as far as with these head coaching openings. Mike Babcock yeah. interviewed with uh, with Columbus and I've heard rumors that the blue shirts might be interested in him. I didn't think Mike Babcock was going to come back, but you know, the blood's always there. Once a coach, always a coach. You know, I don't blame him if he does. I don't see Mike Babcock as a fit in New York, but maybe Columbus. Uh, are you a little surprised by hearing his name out there? Buddy, number one, I should, I'm never surprised. I should <laughs> never be surprised. I mean, I was surprised. Right? Yes, I was, but I shouldn't be <laughs> because these things change all the time for a few reasons. But uh, Mike Babcock said on my show a couple of years ago, I'm retired. I'm done. Yeah. He goes, I was going to retire at 60 anyways. 60, I'm 59 now, so sayonara. <laughs> <laughs> but I guess when that phone rings, you got to answer it. But this reminds me of Dave Tippett when he left Arizona after a really bad ending there with the Coyotes. Dave was, I'm done. I'm out. All of a sudden, the orders call. Dave, would you come and coach Connor McDavid? I'm there. So, And Daryl Sutter also told me that he was never going to coach again. I asked him if he would coach. This was after L.A. I said, would you ever coach again, Daryl? And he's like, well, if I only had to coach home games, maybe. <laughs> And he ends up taking the Flames job. So I guess all we're learning here, Lou, is never say never. <clears throat> there you go. Toronto and Edmonton, uh, obviously it hurts up in Canada. I know how bad that they want a Stanley Cup, at least a team in there. It's been 30 years. What I know, for example, uh, Toronto, I, Austin Matthews, you know, he claims he wants to stay there. He's got one year left on his contract. Edmonton, I think, you know, both teams I think are close. Uh Who's closest to the cup and how devastating is it for the fan bases up there and Canada in general that they couldn't get a team yet to the final? Well, for one, a lot of them are saying the fans of both those teams are not going to watch the rest of the Stanley Cup playoffs. I'll believe that when I see it. <laughs> I was getting sucked into the hype of the Leafs-Oilers Stanley Cup final. And to be honest, I mean, you're sitting there in Michigan, right? Like, I, yeah. I don't understand the mentality of USA hockey fans, um, and I'm not, not saying they're wrong. I just don't understand it. I don't understand baseball culture either. You know, I'm not part of it. Um, but I'm like, an Edmonton-Toronto Stanley Cup final, to me, would be the greatest thing for the NHL. Connor McDavid versus Austin Matthews, the star power, the iconic franchises. Edmonton's not an original six team, but it might as well be. It's an iconic franchise. Why would that be a bad thing? And I guess we're not going to know because it's not happening. I would have loved to have seen the ratings in the 
United States for that. People are saying now with this all Sunbelt Final Four that people aren't going to watch. Let's just wait and see who does watch. Yeah. But when you say who's closer, I got to say Edmonton by using math. Their last Stanley Cup was 1990. Toronto's last Stanley Cup was 1967. And I think there's a reason the Leafs have faltered so much in the playoffs, and it is the pressure in the market. I mean, there's pressure in Edmonton, but Toronto's next level. They just can't mm -hmm. seem to figure it out. You know, I thought the word was if they win a playoff round, everybody keeps their job. Well, they won a round, and they're still talking about getting rid of the general manager and the head coach. I think they literally can't decide what they're doing. Does that tell you that they're going to get their act together anytime soon? Uh, I doubt it. I no. doubt it. It, it. It's a soap <laughs> opera. But, no, to your point about uh, – not wanting a Canadian final or two teams, I would love it. I think uh, the energy in Edmonton and Toronto would be out of this world, and I think that would be great for the game of hockey. Yeah, it would be infectious. Yeah, I don't understand it. Speaking of that, the other end of the spectrum real quick, Arizona, the 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 public referendum was defeated again. Uh, I just I, – I know Bettman has a love affair, it seems like, with Arizona – to try to keep the team there. Rod, I, I just, a 5,000 seat arena to seat the Coyotes. My stepson lives down in Scottsdale and he's gone to a couple of games there. They can't even fill that barn. Uh, what, are their days really numbered in Arizona? And it, I, I don't think they could move this year, but no. how, can they, well, how can they support it? They would have to have give at least a year's notice yeah. if they were to leave. So we can talk about this for at least a year. Yeah. Um, but I had a friend who was part of the ownership group, that Ice Edge uh, group, that the 10 Canadians that owned it from about 2013 to 2017. Mm -hmm. um, Gary Drummond's his name. And so I spent a lot of time down there with them. And what the Arizona people told me in the arena, like the born and raised Phoenicians, yeah. they're like, don't blame us that hockey hasn't worked in Phoenix. This team has been terrible ever since it got here since 1996. It's a bad hockey market, or sorry, a bad organization. We don't know whether it's a good hockey market or not. Like, let's try winning. Look at Florida. They're packing the barn every night. Place yeah. is going crazy. You think that's, this is any more of a hockey market than Arizona? No. You know, so you say are the days numbered. There's only one guy that knows. <laughs> and his name's Gary Bettman. Right. And why he has so steadfast. Maybe it's just the ego of refusing to admit that he was wrong because he oversaw the move from the Winnipeg Jets to Arizona in 96. Maybe that's what it is. I don't know. It's going to be a poll question on our show today. What should the Coyotes do? Move to Houston? Move to Quebec City? Move to Saskatoon, because they still talk about that? Or stay in Arizona? Yeah. I'm not totally sure what my vote would be. I'm kind of leaning towards staying in Arizona, because it's a great place. And yeah. I just think if they could get their act together, it would work. But they can't get their act together. So... Hey, I really, Rod, I really appreciate you coming on today. I wanted to congratulate you on a thousand shows. Um, Thank you. One of the things that I love about your show is you guys seem to have so much fun on there. And there's a lot to be said for that. We both know what it takes to produce a good show. And you guys don't miss a beat. And I just, that, that to me is amazing. Thank you, Lou. Well, we have a wonderful team backing it. I mean, my name's on it, but it's not just me. And I feel bad. That I feel like I'm the one getting all the credit. But um, this business was supposed to be fun. And when yeah. I talked, when we got into it, and most of the people that I'm talking with now that work in the mainstream media aren't having a whole lot of yeah. fun. And I'm like, I'm not going to do it if I'm not having fun. 
So it's sort of like the more we do it, the more I lean into it because, you know, people like you notice it. I think that's infectious too, yeah. man. So I appreciate that. One last question before I let you go. I appreciate all the time. When you were on the show the last time, we were kind of a little worried about the CFL. Um, yeah. The state of the CFL a few years ago was kind of in dire straits. Uh, my God, I watched the Grey Cup final last year. How could you have a more uh, scintillating ending than that? With yeah. block field goal, you know. Uh, what's the state of it in your eyes now, Rod? I think it's, it's been a couple of years since we talked. I think it's a little early to answer that question because they're in training camp day. Today is day four of training camp. Okay. I, uh, I think the first season kickoff game is May 27th. Let's see what the attendance is at those games. Okay. Um, I'm concerned about this US TV deal they have with CB CBS Sports Network. I mean, I get it, but it's not every game. Um, if not every game is available in America, that's going to disturb me greatly. When you and I talked, they had wiped out the CFL season. They're one of the few pro leagues to wipe themselves yeah. out. The XFL did it. Uh, the USFL wasn't going yet. But are you minor league or are you big league? You know, um, I guess from what I talk my, to my friends in the CFL, they're still getting a paycheck. They're still going to work every day. So if that's your barometer or baseline for how they're doing, yeah, they survived. But are they thr thriving? I don't know. Let's look at those stadiums when the season opens and how many people are buying tickets because that'll be the decider. All right, he's Rod Peterson, uh, host of the Rod Peterson Show. You can see him on the Game Plus TV network, also on their YouTube channel. Rod, as always, this has been an absolute treat. Enjoy the Stanley Cup finals and the playoffs, and uh, keep doing what you're doing. Enjoy that Florida weather. This time of year, I'm not so jealous, but eight or nine months out of the year, I am, yeah. man. Thanks a the, lot, eh? The summer makes up for the winter, for sure. All right, Lou, good seeing you, man. Thank you. you All right, thank you. Rod Peterson from the Rod Peterson Show, kind enough to join us here. If you get a chance, watch him 12 to 2 every day. On You can watch him on their YouTube channel, the Rod Peterson Show on YouTube, and also, as I mentioned, Game Plus TV Network. Great insight on the Stanley Cup playoffs, which are going to start tomorrow with the uh, with uh, Florida against Carolina, and then Friday, the Eastern Conference Finals, it's going to be Dallas at Vegas. Really looking forward to those Final Fours. A lot to talk about with that coming up again on Friday. We'll have game one to talk about between Carolina and uh, and Florida. So, again, thanks to Rod Peterson from the Rod Peterson Show joining us here on the Captain Lou Extravaganza. Hey, what do you think? Who do you think is going to win the Stanley Cup? That'll be our poll question coming up for Friday. We got a couple of minutes left on our poll question right now from Monday, which was uh, for the NFC North, the win totals. Who's got the best shot at winning or the, getting over on their win totals? Detroit at nine and a half, Minnesota at eight and a half, or Green Bay and Chicago at seven and a half, those courtesy of DraftKings. So, well, the NHL playoffs are going on now with the, with the Stanley Cup Final Four, as we mentioned. We had an opportunity that we're going to play an interview that we had uh, yesterday with uh, uh, Ryan Schuling. For, uh, he's a producer uh, for 630 KNOW in Denver. We've talked about this in the past with the transfer portal with college football and also Coach Prime at uh, Colorado, the impact that he's made and the impact with NIL and also with uh, the transfer portal. We're going to talk to, uh, we're going to play that interview with Ryan Schuling here and also get his kind of his insight on the Denver Nuggets and the LA Lakers. Now, this was uh, 
taped yesterday before game one again. You'll notice that towards the end of the interview. But uh, we had a chance to sit down with Ryan, a friend of the show he's been on before. We look forward to that. But first, we want to talk to you a little bit about MahlerBros.com. Mahler Bros, of course, the one of our sponsors here on the Captain Lou Sports Network, Captain Lou Extravaganza. You know, we want to remind you that when you're golfing and the sun's beating down, all you want to do is take your shirt off. You're sweating. Your game kind of is suffering. But uh, you want to take your shirt off because of the heat. You're miserable. Well, you know you can't do that on the golf course, but we've got just the answer for you. That's Mahler Bros Golf. MahlerBrosGolf.com has a large catalog of polos with designs for those of you that may want the loud design. If you're one of those walking down, uh, I don't know, the third hole, and they're looking for it on you at the 7T, you want to be noticed. Or if you like me, a little more of a sleek design, kind of a conservative look, that's MahlerBros.com. They've got it all. Uh, They've got T-shirts, tumblers, uh, Yeti cups, you name it. MahlerBros.com. And when you go on the website, use the be- use the promo code BELLYUP for 15% off at checkout. MahlerBros.com. Remember, if you look good, you feel good. You feel good, you play good. It's all right up here. That's MahlerBros.com. And use the promo code BELLYUP for 15% off of your purchase. So there you go. And as I mentioned, we had an opportunity to talk with uh, Ryan Schuling. He is the... Uh, producer at uh, executive producer at 630 KNOW in Denver. Uh, They're right in the middle of the prime experience, the coach prime experience with the Colorado Buffaloes. And uh, we had a chance to talk to him about that. And a topic that we've kind of touched on a little bit uh, earlier in the year with the transfer portal, it's really uh, changing the look of college sports along with NIL. Let's talk, let's uh, bring you that interview we had with Ryan Schuling yesterday sports and we're excited to bring in uh, a past uh, guest on our show a few years ago now it's been I believe uh, Ryan Schuling he's uh, a former local personality here in the Michigan area now out as an executive producer out in Denver out in uh, coach prime country we thought we'd have him come in talk a little bit about that and of course the uh, Denver Nuggets who are in the midst of a a nice run in the NBA uh, playoffs. Ryan, first of all, thanks for coming on. <laughs> you got it, Lou. Absolutely. And as you can see, I'm decked out in my Nuggets gear. And I don't want Detroit fans to fear too much. I've assimilated on three of four fronts. You know, I, I can root for the Nuggets. I can root for the Rockies. I can even root for the Broncos. But I will never, ever root for the Avalanche. Oh, Just know that. That a boy. That's what I like. To hear. <laughs> it didn't break my heart to see them get knocked out in round one against the Kraken. That's for sure. Ryan, uh, a lot of I, I want to touch on uh, quite a few things here while we've got you for the amount of time we do. Um, a couple of weeks ago, you know, in the college world, you know, you're familiar, obviously, with Michigan State. Uh, the transfer portal reared its ugly head around here. But nobody, I think, in the country has taken advantage more from a football standpoint then uh, the Colorado Buffaloes first getting Coach Prime. He told all his players to pack their bags if they didn't like it. Uh, first of all, what has it been like with the show that Coach Prime has brought to uh, the Colorado Buffaloes? He's a force of personality, Lou. I mean, there's just no way to ignore him. But it's not all about him. I think, you know, when you and I were growing up, we remember prime time and, you know, the bandanas and the flair and the commercials and the gear and all that. 
he has really reverted back, and I don't know that he ever really left, to an old-school mentality as a coach. You can see a lot of Bobby Bowden coming through in him, and I know that Bobby Bowden's a personal hero of his. And I'm telling you, Lou, the way he's running that program, it's old school. You better get in line. You better pull in the same direction, or you're gone. And 18 players have left the program, have left the program. And I don't think that uh, phases Dion at all. He wants his kind of guys in there. He knows what his kind of guy looks like, what kind of player that is. And it's a fever pitch scenario. I mean, imagine this, Lou. Imagine either Michigan or Michigan State go 1-11. and Well, first of all, the fans would be in revolt. Oh, boy. And secondly, the interest in the program would be in serious question, right? Season ticket sales, donors, all these sort of things. The season has been sold out. For the CU buffs, this is a 1-11 and team, I remind you, because of the force of Deion Sanders, the hope, the excitement he brings. Lou, the spring game was more like a winter game here, about 30 degrees. That sold out. That sold out. So, yeah, you can't really measure, I don't think, the excitement about this program. I would temper expectations a little bit in year one. I would say if Colorado went six and six, got themselves into a bowl game as bowl eligible, that would be a massive victory for Dion. But I'm not going to sell him short. Not, you know, with the Pac-12 and everything reformulating, you got USC, UCLA leaving, mm-hmm. so that'll be happening uh, soon. Yeah, who knows? The door is wide open for somebody like Dion in Colorado to make an imprint. Now, how long he stays here—that's another question. There's bound to be, I think, another job for him at some point. Could be in two years. Could be in four. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, definitely it's, it's crazy here in Boulder right now. Well, you know, it, it kind of, it, it makes me think a little bit about are the, how apprehensive are some of the fans out there? Because we all know what <laughs> Mel Tucker did to Colorado. You know, he split after one year, I believe it was, or maybe two. And now he's here at Michigan state with that fat contract of his. And, uh, you know, is there any apprehension at all from the fan base? Yeah, that's a good question, though. I think they've got to be a little bit gun-shy, but I think it's more they kind of know what they're getting going in, right? It's Dion. He's the big name. He's going to be in demand. If they succeed here, that's a win-win. That's good for Colorado, and it'll be good for Dion. I think they felt jilted by Mel Tucker. I think they really honestly felt, and I know some of the donors here and the the big-time alums, they thought Mel Tucker was a lifetime hire the way that maybe he is going to be assigning at Michigan State there. And he had a a dinner, a gathering with donors the night before he announced he was leaving for Michigan State here, and that did not go over well. I think it was just baseline expectations were way different. They thought Mel was here to stay, or at least for the foreseeable future. He kind of left in the middle of the night. Dion comes in. You know, I think they accept the fact that he might use this as a springboard. But again, if he does, that will have meant that Colorado went from 1-11 to a successful program. Well, I know, like you mentioned, the, the expectations maybe this year need to be tempered a little bit. I looked at the start of your schedule, their schedule out there. You know, Texas, uh, TCU to start out with, I believe. Then they've, yeah. uh, they've got Oregon and USC in their first five games. Obviously, a rivalry game with Colorado State. But I looked at it, and quite honestly, Ryan, if they can get, I don't know, two and three, one and four, they can get to seven wins. I really believe that. But I also got to tell you, 22-point favorite or underdog, I might put a little shackles taking the points because, you know, it, it'll see what, you know, what, they're, what this son at quarterback, 
you know, you don't know what to expect. And I think that that's going to make it fun for me to watch anyways. Well, and I don't think Dion would have it any other way, Lou. They, like you said, they're at TCU, yeah. uh, defending playoff team that made it to the championship game that beat Michigan, which I was shocked by, by the way. Yeah. Then, like you mentioned, I mean, they're home against Nebraska, winnable game. That's a program in flux after moving on from Scott Frost. A Colorado State's a rivalry game, but the, that'll be in Boulder, and they should be favored in that one. At Oregon's tough. That's opening the, the conference slate. But then you're right. After that, I think they're running downhill. In a lot of ways, uh, there's some teams, again, uh, in Stanford being one of them, they're coming here to Boulder that, again, are in flux the same way that the Colorado is. But it doesn't seem like the program at Stanford or Nebraska or anywhere else is coming off a season as horrible as Colorado had. It has as much positive energy, enthusiasm, excitement behind it as Colorado does. Well, I want to talk to you a little bit about the transfer portal. I mean, uh, you're a Michigan State guy. Um and it hit hard. I mean, it's hit hard for Michigan, but not quite to the extent that maybe it did for Michigan State. We're still waiting to find out what where Keon Coleman's going to go. Um, and it could be anywhere, uh, wherever, whoever I think ponies up the most money. Now, this is a new animal for us, Ryan. I mean, again, you mentioned how, you know, we're kind of old school back in the day, you know, watching football back in the 80s and 90s, whatever. It's it's something I think that we've got to embrace. If not, you know, we're going to be out of luck. Uh, I don't know if I'd like it, but I'm kind of learning to come to grips with it. But what are your feelings on the transfer portal and, you know, the NIL money situation? I've always been rather progressive on this, and that might surprise some who know my politics. But with the players, you go back to the O'Bannon case, right? And that's kind of the landmark case in, in this whole deal. And even before that, with the Fab Five, Lou, I remember going on campus. I was born in Ann Arbor. I, I grew up near there. And during the Fab Five era, those guys were a little bit older than me. Wow. And you'd go to the M-Den or other places on campus there in Ann Arbor around the quad and whatnot, and there'd be number four, number five jerseys. You knew who they were, but they didn't have the names on them, but they would sell them as if they did. Chris Weber didn't see any of that money. Now he did from Ed Martin. But Jalen <laughs> Rose didn't see any of that money. Juwan Howard didn't see any of his number 25 money. I always thought that was incredibly unfair. These are schools and, and the NCAA is an organization making millions. I'm talking millions of dollars off of these players. And the argument always was, well, they're getting a free education. Well, they are, and they deserve that scholarship. They've earned that scholarship. But anything above and beyond that where you market them specifically, individually, absolutely they should get a cut of that. Now, there should be a process to it much like we've seen with Olympic athletes who maintain their college eligibility. They've been able to do that. And so I've always been in favor of the name, image, and likeness uh, availability to players. Now, with that, like you mentioned, comes the freedom of the transfer portal. And although we as fans don't like it, I mean, I was shocked to see Peyton Thorne enter the transfer portal. Now, he's gone to Auburn. Uh, I did not see that coming. Keon Coleman, another one. That's a gut punch. I, I think I can understand that one a bit more. There are rumors. Uh, that Florida State might be in the lead for his services. But again, I think I come back to the square, Lou, of this is something that empowers the players. And they get more of a say in their future, where they can go, who they can play for. And it, it balances the ledger. It used to be once a player signed, I mean, you were basically the property of that school yeah. until you finished. And now they've, they've got some opportunities there. And I think as long as those opportunities are they're governed, uh, they're well-maintained by the NCAA, the rules are enforced, and it's a level playing field for everybody, 
then like you, I think we we got to kind of adapt to it. I, I know Tom Izzo's made comments. He doesn't like it, but you got to utilize it. Yeah. And it can benefit you. It can it can cut you like it did Michigan State football here. Now Mel Tucker's got to go back into that portal, Lou, and he's got to pull out a guy like he did a couple of years ago in Kenneth Walker. That changed everything. Yeah, you bring Kenneth Walker in from Wake Forest, and now all of a sudden they're a New Year's Six Bowl team that wins the game in the Peach Bowl against Pitt because they got a dynamic player. So the the, the portal giveth and it taketh away, and at least right now uh, it's ebbing for Michigan State in a bad way, and I don't know if they're going to be able to recover for it uh, from it in time for this upcoming season. It's going to be tough. Well, my my worry, Ryan, with the NIL situation is, and uh, you know, I'm going to use Michigan State as an example. And they're not one that has. Uh, they don't have. Well, I know it's a short reign for a tradition of doling out a lot of money, but you know, my worry is you're going to get some guys that you recruit that are three or four stars. And they're only going to be able to keep them for one year because you're going to see a school like, I don't know, USC or Miami or whatever, offer them money that, you know, that it's going to be too hard to refuse. And I always use the Mike Wilbon example he had a few months back where he said, who are you to tell me how much I can't give a recruit if I want him to come to Northwestern? I'm a little worried about the haves and the have-nots. And I don't know the answer right now to regulate how much NIL money somebody's going to be able to get. That's my only. That's my only worry about that. I'm with you on the transfer portal. You know, it, it, they have the right to go. Coaches can do it, but what? Are, what? What is your thinking on the NIL situation? Well, there's always going to be downside, Lou, and you just pointed to it. And I think you're absolutely right. I don't disagree that it, it does create this kind of uh, uh, hierarchy, right, of right. these schools that have the means and then those that don't. But we've already seen that play out. I think with the playoff expansion in football, from football derives everything else, as you are very well aware in college <laughs> athletics. But to give an opportunity, to guarantee an opportunity uh, to a mid-major type school, that if they are in the rankings at such and such a point, they are going to get into the playoff, that's a remedy that needed to be had. Because hand-in-hand hand with what you just said, and then the way that the playoff was working, I was a, a proponent, Lou, of you got FCS, you got FBS, mm -hmm. And there needed to be a division in between that, content, that contained mid-majors like Central Michigan, Eastern Michigan, the MAC schools, the Sunbelt schools. So they had a, an opportunity, a real one, to compete for a championship. I think the playoff dynamic, again, by expanding, changes that a little bit. As far as the gap, right, between the more uh, affluent schools and the ones that aren't, I, in a way, I'm very cynical about this in that the only thing that's changed is it's out in the open now. I mean, we know there were Instagram posts yeah. for years. Remember Nick Saban, Alabama, guys down there driving Hummers and stuff. Like, come on. How did they get the money for that? We know. We know. It's just the SEC played by a different set of rules. You could replace the S and SEC with a dollar sign. So now it's a little bit more fair that other schools can kind of play again on that same level playing field. But you're right. There's an absolute downside to these smaller schools that are not as much of means. They don't have as high powered or donors. And they can't facilitate those NIL deals the way that some of the bigger, more powerful, more wealthy schools can. Yeah, and I can remember talking to players that played in the 70s that would come in after a game and open up their locker and there'd be a sock in there. And it uh, it wasn't just for a fresh pair of socks to wear to the dance that night. <laughs> there was right, exactly. go to the dance and maybe get a pizza or two afterwards. We're <laughs> uh, Ryan Schilling, uh, executive producer out at 630 KNOW in Denver. Uh, Joining us here on the uh, Captain Lou Extravaganza, Ryan. Um, 
your Denver Nuggets. Uh, as the time this airs on Wednesday, game one will already be in the books, but we're still going to treat this like we're previewing it. Um, wow. First of all, I feel like the Nuggets are the team that everybody forgets about. You know, you're obviously in the mountain time zone. You don't get the, you know, the coverage that, uh, you know, the Lakers or the Knicks or whoever get. Um, but uh, I believe, number one, that your dynamic duo of Murray and Jokic are vastly underrated. They get their chance to shine now. Um, everybody's pointing to the matchup with AD and Jokic as being, you know, the prominent one. Who wins that one may win the series. What is your take on that? What is what is something I should look for in this series that could help elevate Denver to the finals? And number two, what's the temperature in Denver with this uh, Western Conference final? Is everybody is everybody geeked up for it? Well, let me put it this way. One of the shows I produce is an afternoon drive show here in the Mountain Time Zone, which is from 4 to 6 p.m. The game starts about four or 6.30 our time, 8.30 your time in the East Time Zone. And our show host is one of the more prominent lawyers in Denver. He has season tickets to the Nuggets. He's leaving his own show early to go to the games, games one and two, both Tuesday night and Thursday night. So that gives you a little bit of the flavor. I think the Nuggets are the forgotten team in this city because they've never had success. Lou, we as Pistons fans, yeah, we've suffered a lot lately, but the Pistons have made it to the NBA Finals. The Pistons have won three NBA titles. The Nuggets, since the merger of the ABA and the NBA in the 70s, they've never even made it to the Finals. And when they have made it to the West Finals, four of those five times, Lou, they've lost to the Lakers. So this is a very significant matchup in that way. I think, Denver, you make a good point. I mean, you talk about flyover country within flyover country. In the mountain time zone, this is the only team that exists in that time zone in the mountain with Denver. So you're right. It kind of gets lost in the shuffle between the West Coast games and the East Coast games, and the Nuggets don't get a lot of national play. They have in recent years. Nikola Jokic has certainly been a a part of that, and he should have gotten the MVP again, in my opinion. But, yeah, his matchup with AD is going to be enormous. Depending on who the Lakers decide to assign defensively in Jamal Murray, I'm going to be watching for that because Murray has blossomed in these playoffs in a way that I think people always thought was possible, but injuries have really limited him, set him back, had an ACL tear, had to have that repaired, had a pretty good playoff in the bubble a few years ago. It seems like a lifetime ago, but Michael Porter Jr., that's the name to keep an eye on. This is a guy who's a superstar caliber player. He has played like it at times in these playoffs. And while he's kind of third in the the ranking, if you will, behind Jokic and Murray, he can play on that level. And he's gotten off to some fast starts that have led to wins. I think offensively they need him to really shine. And a familiar name to Pistons fans, Contavious Caldwell-Pope, KCP. Had some pretty rotten years in Detroit for the most part, but he has found a very important role with Denver. And he has really led the charge to this team becoming more of a defensive presence. And, Lou, that's what Mike Malone, who's the son of former Pistons assistant Brendan Malone, so a lot of tie-ins here. Yeah, uh, He has – yeah, he's been really stressing and and driving home the fact they got to defend. There's been several games in these playoffs where they've had three really good quarters and one horrible quarter defensively, and at times it's cost them. It's cost them games. It's cost them wins. But they played extremely well on their home court. I think they've got to take these first two to set the tone in the series. They could still win the series if they drop one of two. But in order to kind of 
assert their dominance, which they should. This is a this is a series, Lou, that the Nuggets should, should probably win in five games. They're clearly more talented. They're clearly deeper uh, than the Lakers. And LeBron, you know, he's getting up there in age. I don't know how much more of this playoff toll his body can take, but a lot of good kind of complementary parts on this Nuggets team. Aaron Gordon is a very good defender uh, in the low block. His help on AD and forcing others to beat them uh, in the forward positions for the Lakers is going to be big. So I would say it's a team effort for Denver. When they're firing on all cylinders, it's a balanced attack, and it'll be very difficult for the Lakers to stop. Last question for you. I appreciate you taking time out today. I know you got to get ready for work. Um, a poll question coming into today is uh, NFL-related. Uh, in the NFC, okay. uh, the win totals were out based on uh, – on um, the schedule release and whatnot. Our question is, which team do you think has the best chance of going over their win totals? And I'm going to give them to you. Okay. Detroit, right. their over-under is 9.5, and, and they're minus 105 on that. Minnesota is 8.5, uh, and, and uh, they're plus 100. And then uh, the Packers – or no, I'm sorry, they're minus 130. The Packers and the Bears are both at 7.5. Uh, the over/under. Give me your best. If you were to had to make a choice of those four, what team do you think has the best chance of going over their win-loss uh, prediction for 2023? Well, I'll start with I do have the Lions over that total, mm-hmm. so I predict they'll go 11 and six. But you said nine and a half. Nine and a half. Yep. That's a pretty narrow margin. I would I would still bet it, but I think of what you announced there. You said Minnesota eight and a half. Yeah. I would go with them. I would think the Vikings are the best bet to go over. I still think they're the favorites in the division until proven otherwise. They haven't lost a whole lot. They've got one of the best receivers in football. They've got a solid quarterback. They've got a good running game. They've got a pretty good defense. I think a lot of people are kind of got their eye on the Bears, and I think for good reason this year, uh, to go over seven and a half, maybe. I would say the best bet to go under is Packers. I think the Packers are going to have a down year. They lose Aaron Rodgers. I don't think Jordan Love's ready. Not at all. Not even close. But a lot of reason for optimism with the Lions. But I'll take the Vikings as most likely to go over the the over-under win total you gave. Okay. It's hard for me to – it's been 30 years since the Lions have had this big of expectations after 91 when they went to the championship game. Uh, I'm loving the fact that Detroit's getting recognition and they're on – Four times on national TV, not counting Thanksgiving. Well, I, I don't know how to act. <laughs> it's <laughs> I don't know how to act on it. I mean, it's I just I know they got a tough goal with Kansas City in the with the opening game, but I love it. I like what uh, Mike Florio said. That game was going to draw huge numbers, no, no matter who they put in that opening game. I'm glad they gave it to Detroit to showcase it, but. Boy, my excitement right now is at an all-time high. I know I drink the Kool-Aid every year, but I don't know how you feel. Well, I kind of had mixed emotions coming out of that draft, Lou. I was puzzled by picking Jameer Gibbs, and he might turn out to be a superstar. I'm not going to shortchange him. But I was if the thought process was running back there, and that's fine, why not just stay where they were and take B. John Robinson, the guy you know is the number one that's the – kind of the, the solid highest floor bet. You want a high floor guy at that point in the draft. Now, they did trade back, and they did add a pick, and they did get a player that maybe they feel fit best. They really had a, a solid reaction to DeAndre Swift and his future with the team. They were out on Swift. They are in on Gibbs. 
The Jack Campbell pick puzzled me. I mean, I know they were picking there for need. They do need a middle linebacker that can anchor that defense, and that's not Anzalone. And Campbell fit the profile, but according to many different sources, I'm talking reliable ones, not just Mel Kuyper Jr. Who the hell is Mel Kuyper Jr.? Remember the famous quote. But pro football focus, all these very highly acclaimed uh, outlets that rank players had Campbell about 40 spots lower. So I've been told, I've seen reports out of there in Detroit that he had the best little rookie minicamp there, and I'm encouraged by that. He still can be a very fine player. I like the Lions mid-round picks a lot yeah. more. Maybe that's a good sign. I, I was a big, big fan of Brian Branch. Oh, me too. To trade up and get him. Value at that point in the draft on the board was solid, and it was a, a position of need, obviously, in safety. And I'm very high, Lou, on Hendon Hooker. If it doesn't work out with Goff, and it very well might. I'm high on Jared Goff. I'm yeah. fine with Jared Goff. But to have a, a backup who has upside like Hooker, once he comes back from the knee surgery and the injury there, he's got time to develop. He's got the two years that we still have Goff under contract. I'm excited about the potential of him. So you look at that, some of the free agent acquisitions that Detroit had, they were aggressive. You know, they had the setback with the gambling issue, which I wanted to hit my head against this brick wall here after that happened. But Jamison Williams comes back. He has that dynamic option to the offense. I think they're cooking with gas, loop. I think there's reason to be optimistic. It's a, it's got a, this team has an identity now. They have a confidence, a swagger. They have a, a family kind of atmosphere in place with Dan Campbell. And I think the sky's the limit. Again, I don't go around like you, Lou. Optimism and me with the Lions don't go hand in hand. It's been 30 years, like you said. <laughs> yeah. But I, I feel pretty strongly looking at the schedule going, I, I see 11 wins there. It may or may not be enough to win the division. I think, again, Minnesota's the favorite. But I think they're a playoff team. They should have been a playoff team last year. But, you know, the math got to them. The Rams got jobbed against uh, the Seahawks. Yeah. Some things didn't happen their way. And they started one and six. So they were behind the eight ball to begin with. I think they got off to a much better start this year. And I think if they make the playoffs, potentially host and win a playoff game, that would be a tremendous accomplishment. But just to get in, I think, would be a positive step and a reason to feel good about the Lions. Ryan Schuling, I appreciate you taking time out today. I know you're busy. I'll let you get going. Hey, enjoy the uh, Western Conference Finals. Let's hope that the Nuggets can uh, get to the finals for the first time and maybe pull one off. I know it'll make, uh, make for a lot of fun there in the Denver area. Thank you so much. Thanks, Lou. Appreciate it. I know all the Pistons fans will be rooting against the Lakers in this series, too, so I appreciate that, too. Good talking to you. All right. All right. That, of course, Ryan Schuling uh, from 630 KNOW, uh, executive producer out in Denver, getting his thoughts on not only the transfer portal, Coach Prime out in Buffalo. That's going to be a that's going to be an interesting watch. The circus that he brings now. Yes, he's old school. That being Deion Sanders, and he's going to bring the uh, accountability factor. But there's always that question with him. How long is he going to stay now? If he does bring success there for a year or two. Uh, if as long as the expectation is there for the uh, Colorado Buffalo fan base that uh, he may uh, exit after a couple of years, because, you know, I, I just, I don't know, but uh, he's definitely changing the outlook in college football, because if he is successful with the transfer portal, kind of like what LSU did in women's basketball, then who knows what it's going to bring as far as the landscape in college football. So that's going to be a fun watch. And, of course, love his insight on the 
NBA playoffs, Western Conference final, and uh, kind of a viewpoint from the Denver perspective. As uh, you know, those uh, it seems like all the ink is with LA, all the pub, LA, and then of course the East Coast with the Knicks in Philadelphia and Miami. Denver, there it's like you said, they're kind of a flyover kind of a situation. The only team left in the month in the uh, mountain time zone. And as we saw last night, they took game one against the Los Angeles Lakers. And I got to tell you, that was a fantastic game last night. Uh, Jokic, you know, he proved that he maybe he should have been the MVP, but he had a hell of a game. My hat's off to Anthony Davis. A 40-point game for him. I thought LeBron played well. A couple of questionable decisions at the end, but, you know, they got – it was a 20-point lead in the third quarter. And I turned it for a couple of moments and came back. I looked back at it, and I thought, wow, this is a close game. And it was there to be had for the Lakers. So there's two ways to look at this if you're a Lakers fan, first and foremost. As a fan, how do you feel? Did they blow their chance to steal game one after that comeback? You know, they just quite couldn't get over the hump. They cut it to one a couple of times, but they just couldn't quite get over that. Or do you feel, you know what, we found out what we can do to stay with them and bring it into game two. Obviously, the objective, if you're a road team, is you want to split the first couple of games. you got to win one sooner or later on Denver's court if, if you're the Lakers, if you want to go to the finals. That's obvious. But it's a lot easier if you split the first two games because you've got home court you get that momentum, you can go back to L.A. and potentially get a couple of games there. You're up 3-1. You go back to L.A., down 2-0, then you got to win four out of the next five. And that's pretty darn difficult, as we found in uh, pro sports. It's not, it's not impossible, but it's very darn difficult to do it. So it's going to be an interesting watch, game two tomorrow night. But what a game last night. Jokic again. And what did he have? 33, 21, and 14 or something ridiculous like that. Unbelievable. Uh, he's definitely the real deal. Who is uh who is LA gonna get to stop him? And uh, but if you're LA, if you're Denver, you know, I was watching Scott Hastings in an interview earlier this morning, and he said that's kind of Denver's been their MO all year. They get a big lead, they hang on. So I don't know who you're gonna get on Denver's side to kind of contain Anthony Davis. Now, I know Reeves had 22, but I just think that the talent depth, is it, it kind of showed a little bit on Denver's side in game one. So we'll have to wait and see on game two. But this is going to be a six or a seven-game series. And the question that I asked earlier this week, and I've asked other guests, is you know, with the two semifinal games in the conference semifinals, with LA and – or the series, rather, with LA and Golden State – and with Philly and Boston, those were marquee matchups. Those were the quote-unquote uh, teams, you know, the spotlight teams. Were there going to be a letdown, you know, with uh, maybe with the Denver and L.A.? Oh, I'll tell you, if game one was any inst- indication, this is going to be a fantastic series, and I really look forward to watching game two tomorrow night. Now, it's going to be pitted up against the Eastern Conference Finals, so my attention will most likely be on Stanley Cup action, but I will be flipping the channel a little bit to kind of keep an eye on that L.A. Denver series. And, of course, game one starts tonight in the Eastern Conference Final. It's Boston and it's Miami. It's going to be – it starts, obviously, in Boston. Okay, number one, you're going to say, is there going to be a letdown? Um, Is there going to be – you know, is momentum – 
you know, again, we talked about it with Rod Peterson from the Rod Peterson show on the uh, NHL playoffs, you know, Florida playing with house money, but they proved that they belong there. I could see one series. Maybe you could call it a fluke like with uh, Florida against the Boston Bruins. They won game two against Toronto in convincing fashion. That wasn't a, a squeak or three to two overtime game in game seven. That was a domination over a Toronto team that was on paper any, anyway, superior, more superiorly talented. Now with the Miami Heat, they took care of Milwaukee in seven games. That was uh, that was a close series. Now there are going to there are some that are going to say injuries may have played a factor, but that's no excuse in my book because I think uh, Miami they could have the argument they lost a couple of starters. Tyler Hero and Oladipo are gone. They squeaked by in that series. Then they took on the Knicks. They handled New York. It's not a fluke anymore. When you get to the Final Four, I don't care. It's like Rod said. I don't care who you are. You've got to be good. Miami, in my opinion, has got one of the best, if not the best, coaches left. You know, in Eric Spolstra, and he's gonna. He's got forty-eight hours now to kind of figure out Boston. And can Jason Tatum keep up what he did on Sunday? That's obviously not going to be able to. But can he take over a series by himself? Will Jalen Brown be a you know? What kind of an impact is you know is the supporting cast of Miami going to have? Again, that's those are those are questions that are going to be answered starting tonight. It's going to be an interesting series there. I've got Boston ultimately winning that one, but I could see that one going seven. I had Denver winning the series in seven, in seven games, so I think they're both going to go to the distance. I think it's going to be a fantastic Western Conference and Eastern Conference final. Can't wait to watch it couple other quick notes on the NBA, and we'll wrap things up. Uh, the Victor Wabiyama sweepstakes, I know I'm pronouncing it wrong, which I guess you could call the NBA lottery, was held yesterday. And the San Antonio Spurs were the lucky ones. I tell you, my Detroit Pistons, our, our Detroit teams can't catch a break. We can't get the luck of the draw. Now, I know the Pistons won the lottery a couple of years ago to get Cade Cunningham. Victor Wabiyama. He's the rage. I mean, they had uh, Brian Windhorst out in France to interview him afterwards. Seattle got him. Or I'm sorry, San Antonio got him. How long is it going to be before San Antonio is going to be in the picture? But how is he going to handle the pressure? That's my question. Now he's dominating over there. 7-4, plays like a point guard, uh, great defensively. Is he going to be the next best thing? Or with all due respect, is he going to be another Imani Bates who – was supposedly the next best thing here in Michigan a few years ago. And he ended up, he's in the rookie camp, the rookie tryout camp in the NBA as a freshman. I mean, now Imani's only 19 years old, but I don't know. I mean, that is what I want to keep an eye on. And, you know, as far as two through five right now in this draft, it didn't matter. I, I think that you're going to get still a decent player, in, at least in the top three or four, a difference maker. But congratulations to this uh, San Antonio Spurs. They won the lottery. They get Victor Vambayama unless some crazy thing happens with the draft. I doubt it with trades or whatever. But he's going to be a San Antonio Spur just like uh, David Robinson, you know. And, uh, you know, and why, why does his name escape me right now? Um, Got the Wake Forest Center. Uh, as soon as I get off the air, I'm going to forget. I knew I should have wrote it down. Tim Duncan. There we go. 
just like Tim Duncan. So, you know, they've got an interesting core to work around him in, in San Antonio. You've got, uh, you know, Greg Popovich is going to be 74 years old. Will this keep him there a few more years? Was You know, if he wouldn't have won the, wouldn't have won the uh, sweepstakes, would he think about retiring? We'll see how long he sticks around. So a lot of things to think about with San Antonio with the coming draft, with them getting the number one pick. And finally, Doc Rivers. We talked about it on Monday. Who is to blame in Philadelphia? Well, to nobody's surprise, he's out. And, uh, you know, the thing is now you've got, you know, all the stories you hear was Tim Harden or Tim Harden. It was, uh, uh, you know, it was uh, Harden that said he wanted him out. Now, what if Harden leaves? What's next in Philadelphia? You got to believe in my heart of hearts, I think Joel Embiid probably had something to do with this too. They probably went to him there, but Philadelphia is a mess right now with James Harden. You don't know what he's going to do. He's probably going to opt out of his contract. He's going to want more money. Obviously, you know, there's rumors of him going to Houston. Maybe they've got $60 million in cap space. Now we all know my feelings on doc rivers, you know, 33 consecutive or 33 games where he has lost clinching games in game seven or his clinching games for that matter. And, you know, he's rode the wave of that Boston championship. That's been what, 14, 15 years ago. Now he's a great regular season coach just had cannot get over the hump in Philadelphia, but boy, there's going to be a lot of coaches lining up to take that job. You're going to have, uh, uh, Mike Budenholzer, Monty Williams, Nick nurse, uh, how about, uh, you know, and then the rumor I heard, if Harden stays, Mike D'Antoni. They take Mike D'Antoni. I mean, I love the guy. Nice guy. Great interview. But what has he done? I, 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 if I was Budenholzer, I'd take that job. As a Detroit Pistons fan, I hope not. I'd love to get him. I don't think he's going to go to Detroit. Because I think Detroit's kind of a, I don't know. But Doc Rivers out in Philadelphia. Not surprised. We'll see what happens there. So, well, hey, wow, what a fun show today. We had some great guests, great conversation. Really want to thank uh, Ryan Schuling, uh, producer at 630 KNOW in Denver, giving us his thoughts on the Denver Nuggets and also on the transfer portal and Coach Prime at Colorado with the Buffaloes, uh, taking over that program, what that's going to bring, the excitement that's going to bring to Colorado, see if they can he can inject some life there. And, of course, Rod Peterson, from the Rod Peterson show. He's been around the hockey world a long time. Great insight with him on what to expect in the Stanley Cup finals in each conference with uh, Florida against Carolina and, of course, with Vegas against Dallas. Thanks to Rod for coming on. He's been – he just celebrated his 1,000th show. I invite you to check the Rod Peterson show out noon to 2 on the Game Plus Network, also on his YouTube channel as well. So we want to thank – both those gentlemen for coming on Friday on the show. We're going to have Mitch Bernstein on. He is our baseball insider, the MLB network, uh, or I'm sorry, the MLB is at the quarter pole. Memorial day is right about their uh, one quarter of the way through the measuring stick. If you will, it's Memorial day, 4th of July, labor day, of course. And then the end of the year, but 40 games in now for these teams, we want to get Mitch on on Friday, talk about a variety of things going on from uh, the pitch clock, uh, the new rules, uh, the big teams, uh, Tampa Bay off to a great start. Uh, we'll talk about his Phillies, uh, what's going on in both leagues, and we'll get his take on the quote-unquote 
cheating scandal, which I don't think it's much of a scandal, but uh, we'll get his thoughts on what's going on with Aaron Judge and the Toronto Blue Jays. And we want to look back on a character, in an umpire, Don Demkinger, who passed away uh, earlier this week, of course. For those of you that are kind of newer to the game, the younger crowd, you may not remember, but he was the controversial umpire in 1985 with the Kansas City Royals and the St. Louis Cardinals who made that uh, that call that definitely was wrong and, you know, what happened with him afterwards with the death threats and everything. What a crazy, crazy turn of events for him. But he was a great umpire. He passed away. We'll get uh, Mel or we'll get uh, Mitch's thoughts on that. But always great to talk to Mitch. If you like baseball, tune into our show Friday morning at 10 o'clock. We'll have a great, great interview and a lot of great dialogue on Major League Baseball. And we'll get his take on the Philadelphia sports scene with the Flyers and uh, with the Phillies and, of course, with the 76ers with their uh, situation now looking for a new head coach. All right, everybody, we want to thank everybody at Belly Up Sports for, again, allowing us to be a part of their network. Always a good time. And uh, without them, you know, we wouldn't be able to do this. And obviously without you, we wouldn't be able to have this program. And I really appreciate you taking time out of your schedule to watch us here on the Captain Lou Sports Network on YouTube. Subscribe to our channel. We've got all of our shows on archive. And again, if you missed any of the show, you can go back and watch it. We will be downloading it on podcast form on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Wherever you get your podcasts, it will be available later on this afternoon. We invite you to check it out there. So, all right, that's going to do it. We want to thank everybody again for joining us, for Ryan, Ryan Schuling and for Rod Peterson, yours truly, Captain Lou, saying keep your heads up, keep your sticks down, keep your feet moving, and as always, keep your minds open. Enjoy your day, everybody. We'll talk to you Friday. You're on the Captain Lou Extravaganza. You're on the Captain Lou Sports Network. So long.